This morning's message is entitled Moving Beyond Ordinary. Moving Beyond Ordinary. That's what I want to talk about this morning is this idea of I'm not just being average, of not just being normal, but being extraordinary. Moving out of a place of being ordinary into a place of being extraordinary. So here's a question. How many of us desire to be used in a mighty way? Right? I think if we ask that question, most of us would say, I desire to be used in a mighty way or, or in a powerful way. From the time that most of us are young, we dream of becoming the hero, right? We dream of that opportunity where we, we get to be the hero, where we get to kind of seal the show and, and all eyes are on us, or, or we get to save the world from some type of disaster. But we just have this, it's in our nature when we're young especially, to desire to be that hero or desire to be the one who saves people. And that takes on all kinds of different forms, but the main motive behind all these dreams is that each of us, I believe, in and of ourselves and our hearts, we desire to be more than just ordinary. We desire to be more than just normal. That's, that's our, our desire, is to be extraordinary. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning, as I said, moving outside of being just ordinary, average, to being extraordinary. Being extraordinary. Becoming something other than just another status quo, average Joe. But not, not, not for our sake. I don't say that this morning that I want to be extraordinary for me or that I want you to be extraordinary for yourselves, but for God's kingdom. That we wouldn't be just ordinary, but that we would be ex extraordinary, that God would work to us in a mighty way and that we would see the kingdom of God grow as a result of that. As we're open to what the Holy Spirit is trying to do in our lives today, we can move beyond ordinary to a place where we are used in extraordinary ways. If you're a guest with us this morning, I'm so excited that you're here. I want to start this morning with a story about someone who didn't want to just be ordinary. Someone who had a desire to say, you know what, I want to do something more than normal. I want to do something extraordinary. And this individual, they saw a few needs in the world, and they wanted to do something about it. This individual, had, he was a young businessman who had been very successful, and he had profited much in his early businesses. And one day he was traveling to Argentina, and he noticed some specific needs. And one of them specifically was how many kids were running around without shoes on their feet. How many kids that didn't have shoes that were running around all over the place. And if you've been to a third world country, you know that that's common. Many of these kids, and even the adults, they don't have shoes. They're running around barefoot all the time. And so he saw this need, and there was something inside of him that said, I believe I can help meet this need. I believe there's something I can do to help with this need. This gentleman's name is Blake Miskoski, and some of you might know his story already. You just might not know what his name is. But as I share, I think some of you will realize it. But as I said, Blake was a young man who had already started up numerous businesses in Texas where he grew up and been very successful. And when he was in Argentina, he noticed his children without shoes and the hardship that comes along with that. There's a lot of health issues that come out of people not having shoes or not having the right pair of shoes. When your feet are out of alignment, it messes everything else in your body up. It's very important. And so he saw that there was issue, an issue here and that, that he thought, you know what, I've got an idea. I'm going to start up a for-profit business 
that's going to be sustainable to help meet this need. It's not going to be reliant upon donation, but it's going to be a, a for-profit business. And his vision, although it was simple, turned into a powerful business model that's being used by many businesses around the world today. It's called the one-for-one -one business model. And that means that for every product that he sells to a customer, that there is one donated to a person in need. So every time somebody would buy a pair of shoes that he sold, his company would then donate a pair of shoes to somebody who was in need. We buy a pair of shoes, somebody else gets a pair of shoes who are in need. The one-for-one -one business model, it was called. And the need he was passionate about, as I said, was, was all these children he saw who didn't have shoes. So he started a company that many of us know today called Tom. How many of you have ever heard of Tom's shoes? I think some of you in here probably have this morning. And if you, you buy a pair of Tom's, you get a pair and some, a pair is given to somebody who is in need. And I want to just, uh, a little bit about what has happened since this company began in 2006. In just 11 years, this company has donated 60 million pairs of shoes to children in need. 60 million pairs of shoes have been donated to children in need because a guy saw a need and he thought, I don't want to just be normal. I, I, don't, I, I, I believe there's something we can do to help meet this need. And he thought outside of the box. They expanded their business. In 2011, he had this passion to help meet the need that many third world countries didn't have the eyewear that they need. People couldn't get the glasses that they needed to be able to see. And so since 2011, in the last six years, they have provided 400,000 pairs of glasses to people who would not be able to afford glasses had this not been started. 400,000. In 2014, they launched Tom's Roasting Company, which makes coffee beans. But what they do is for every pound of coffee that they sell, they donate clean water to third world countries that don't have clean water. And in just three years, they've provided 335,000 weeks worth of safe drinking water. In three years, they've donated 335,000 weeks worth. I don't even know how many gallons that is, but I can imagine a week's worth is quite a bit of water that's being provided to these countries that don't have clean water. They don't have a source of clean water. In 2015, they started a bag collection where they sell those drawstring bags that we see so many people carry around. And the idea was, is there are a lot of women in our world today who don't have the health care that they need when it comes to having their children, especially in third world countries again. And so for every bag that's sold, money is given to help mothers have their children in a healthy and safe environment. And in just two years, they have already been able to help 25,000 mothers have children in a healthy place that they wouldn't have been able to do if it wasn't for this company. And this, this idea that Blake had of saying, you know what, enough is enough. There's a need, and it needs to be met. But I don't want it to just be normal. I want it to be extraordinary. And it's really, it's amazing when you think about one person was able to do with an everyday item. Shoes. Right? Especially in America, 
we have, we have all the shoes we want, myself included. I, I, I love shoes, and I probably have way too many pairs, if I'm just being honest with you this morning. But he said, I'm going to take something as ordinary as shoes that I know Americans will buy, and every time they buy a product, then I'm going to donate a product to people in need, just like glasses. There's so many of us that have vision problems, so we can buy glasses from their company and a, a pair of glasses is donated to help those who need them. Blake has taken something that was essential to our lives, shoes, and used it to help others. He said, it's already essential, we need it. Let's take that and let's multiply it, right? Let's multiply what we can do. When one person buys shoes, donate it. When one person buys a pair of glasses, we'll donate them. And, and it really is amazing when you think about it. You and I, uh, we may be sitting here this morning, we may not start our own business. And we may not receive the awards and accolades that Blake has received as a result of what he has done. But God desires for our lives to be more than just ordinary when the Holy Spirit works through our lives. God wants to do extraordinary things through you. God wants to do extraordinary things through us as a church, as a body. God wants to do extraordinary things in us and through us. When we look at Scripture, we see Jesus used many of the most ordinary objects in the Bible to do extraordinary things. Right? Jesus didn't need anything special to do something amazing. The Holy Spirit continues to work through ordinary people like ourselves today to do extraordinary things. As we've talked about the last few weeks, we're empowered, we're equipped, we're enabled to do great things for the kingdom of God. Because the presence of, the presence of God is what moves us from ordinary to extraordinary. When we sit in God's presence, when we're transformed by God's presence, our obedience to the Holy Spirit and the direction He gives in our lives helps us to move from ordinary to extraordinary. A couple of examples of Jesus using just ordinary, everyday objects in the Bible to do extraordinary things. First one, Jesus, he spit in the dirt, right? And he created mud. And he healed the blind man. Right? Ordinary objects. Dirt. He spit in it. He made mud. Put it on the guy's eyes and told him to go wash. And he was healed. Ordinary objects. There's nothing special about that dirt or the spit or the mud. But Jesus was involved. God was involved. And that's where it went from an ordinary thing to extraordinary Another example is when Jesus, he drew the line in the dirt in John chapter 8 to keep the Pharisees from stoning the woman who was caught in adultery. He simply, it says that he made a line in the dirt and he says, those of you who are without sin, throw the first stone. Right? If you're without sin, go ahead, throw the stone. All the Pharisees had to think for a moment and they realized, we're not. Right? None of us are perfect. None of us are without sin. But it was something as ordinary as putting a line in the dirt that Jesus did. But it was an extraordinary story, an example of what happens when God is in the middle of a situation. And that's the same in our lives. One of the most profound stories we find in Scripture where Jesus is using ordinary items to do something extraordinary is at the Lord's Supper. 
When Jesus leads the disciples through communion, he is simply using the wine and the bread that was available to them, that was there as part of their meal that they were having. Turn with me now in the Gospel of Luke, which is the third book of the New Testament, if you would. We're going to start in Luke 22 with verse 14. You can feel free to follow along on the screen as well. It says, When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table, and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread and gave thanks and broke it, and giving it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. I want us to look at the context of this message a little bit, of this passage, to, to help us understand it a little bit more. Jesus and his disciples were partaking in the Passover meal as a part of the Jewish festival of the unleavened bread. This is something that Jesus and, and, and the disciples and the Jews in that day, they did it every year. This was a custom. But this, this year, the Passover turned out to be a little different than every other Passover meal that they had had together. This wasn't just going to be another ordinary, normal Passover meal. No. This was going to be something extraordinary. We find the story recorded in each of the four Gospels. So we have a very good idea of what this night looked like. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all four of them recorded in their Gospels what happened that night at the Passover, at the Passover dinner, the Lord's Supper. So Jesus here, he tells the disciples, he says, I've been eagerly awaiting to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. And I'm sure at that point, they're, they're sitting there and the disciples are probably starting to wonder, what does he mean? What is he talking about right now? Before I suffer, he said. Probably wondering what's going on. But continuing on, Jesus tells them that this will be the last time he will partake in the Passover until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. So maybe you sit there then and you say, okay, but what does that mean? What does it mean that, that he won't partake in the Passover until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God? That he would not partake of the meal again until it had been fulfilled. How is it going to be fulfilled? Jesus' sacrifice upon the cross fulfilled that need. The Passover was a Jewish tradition and maybe the most prominent of all of the different feasts that they celebrated. It was a tradition that had been observed since the time of Moses. But now it was associated with the life of Christ and the sacrifice that he made to atone for our sins. And so he's telling them the Passover was all about, all about the, the, the atonement for sins. All about putting the Lamb's blood on your doorpost to ask for atonement for your sins. But Jesus is saying, I'm going to fulfill that. I'm going to fulfill that where there's not going to be a need for you to observe the Passover anymore. 
But tradition is not going to be needed anymore because I'm going to fulfill it with my blood. I'm going to fulfill it by, by sacrificing and going to the cross to atone for your sin. That there's no longer going to be the need for a sacrifice of the Lamb at the Passover to declare our righteousness. But yet, it comes through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Right? It comes through a relationship. There's a new covenant that's formed through Jesus Christ when He goes to the cross and He raises from the dead. Jesus then went on to say, after taking the cup, He gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. Once again here, we find Jesus telling the disciples that He's not going to partake of the fruit of the vine again until the kingdom of God comes. Until He has fulfilled the Messianic covenant upon the cross and overcoming death. Again, this is, it goes back to it's bringing an end to the tradition and the ritual that the Jews had been practicing for thousands of years at this point. Because now the attention was turned to Jesus. About the relationship with Jesus as a new covenant. The Messianic covenant that replaced the Mosaic covenant. Continuing on, Jesus says, And He took the bread, giving thanks, and broke it, and giving it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, The cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. So now we get to the part here where Jesus is specifically telling the disciples about the parallel right now, about what, what the Lord's Supper, what communion is all about at this point, what it represents and why it is that we still observe communion today. Jesus is telling the disciples how His body is like the bread that's going to be given for them. That His body is going to be beaten and broken and bruised for them, for us today. His body was beaten and broken for us. He asks them, He says, continue to do this in remembrance of Me. Jesus gave thanks, it says, Are you you serious right now? Jesus is talking about how His body is about to be broken and given up for us and His blood is going to be poured out for us. And He gives thanks? What? Again, this is where I'm just amazed at Jesus. A guy who knows his life is about to be torn away from him and not in an easy or pleasant way. But that's going to be painful and agonizing but yet He gives thanks. What a, what a grateful attitude. What an example for you and I to follow today when things don't seem to maybe go quite like we'd like or maybe we see that there's hardship that's coming and maybe it's inevitable. Like Jesus, He knew the cross was His final, or not His final, but He knew the cross was where He was headed, where He was going, and He was still grateful even in that. That is amazing. He then tells them of how He has made a new covenant through His blood which is being poured out to them. Just as it took the spilling of blood from an animal sacrifice to atone for the sins of people in the old Mosaic covenant, it took the spilling of Jesus' blood to create the new covenant in Christ. 
Thankfully, with the new covenant through Christ, He became the final atoning sacrifice for us so that you and I don't have to make sacrifices on a regular basis like they used to according to Mosaic Covenant. We don't have to bring animals to the altar. I, I don't have to have you bring me your sacrifices and then, and then prepare them upon the altar. And I'm grateful for that as a pastor. I, I can't see that being a very enjoyable duty of a pastor. But we don't have to anymore. Because Jesus has created a new covenant through His body and His blood to atone for our sins. But what I love about this story, outside of just what it represents, are the two elements that Jesus uses for communion. Some of the most common and readily available things that you could find in that day and age. Bread and wine. Jesus, he didn't ask the disciples to bring anything special to the meal, because they asked him, they said, they said, Jesus, where do you want us to go to prepare the Passover meal? And he said, go into town, there's a gentleman who will meet you there, and there's an upper room where we'll gather together. But Jesus didn't tell them, grab, any, grab something special, because I'm going to do something cool. But rather, Jesus took ordinary items, like bread and wine, that were going to be available to them, and he blessed them. He took an ordinary item and made it stand for something extraordinary. And there's a missionary friend that I have in India. And some of you have maybe heard him before, seen him before. But we're going to watch a video in just a moment of him actually serving communion in India in a, in a rural village up in the mountains. But I just love what he says about communion because he really talks about this idea of how there's nothing special about this cracker in this grape juice that we're going to drink. Right? There's nothing special about that. But we do it to remember him. It's what it stands for that is so extraordinary. And Joe does a wonderful job of, of talking about that. And I want to just let you know before we watch it, there is a translator as well and so he speaks in English, and then there's a translator speaking in the native language as well. But I hope that you enjoy this video. Go ahead. I love what he said, where he said, Jesus took something ordinary or normal, and he gave it new value. Right? Because that's what Jesus does for you and I, and we surrender our heart to him. We change from being something ordinary to something that's extraordinary. Something that has new value and new purpose because God is in our lives. His Holy Spirit comes and lives and dwells inside of us. And that it is not just about us, not just thanking Him for giving His Son for us, but for everybody. Right? For those who don't know yet, for those who haven't heard yet. Jesus died for everyone. Maybe this morning you don't think you have anything to offer. Maybe you think, but I am normal. I am average. I'm ordinary. I want to challenge you this morning. Look at your hand. See what God has placed in it. And use it. God can take whatever He's placed in your hand and use it in extraordinary ways. I think of Moses. Moses said, God, what, what do I have to offer? 
And he said, well, you have that staff in your hand. Moses thought, okay, what does that mean? God said, throw it down. Throws it down and it turns into a serpent, right? And from that moment on, Moses goes, okay, I'm going to use what I have in my hand. What God has given me. Something that seems ordinary in and of itself. But when God is involved, it becomes extraordinary. So what has God given you? What has God placed in your hands? What has God brought along your path that maybe looks ordinary? Maybe it looks normal. But God is saying, it's not normal. I want to use this in an extraordinary way. I want to use you in an extraordinary way. I don't think Moses ever thought, man, this staff that I'm holding in my hand is going to turn into a serpent. But with obedience, he threw it down as God asked. And he saw something amazing happen. And God is wanting us to take our ordinary lives and allow Him to empower us and equip us and enable us to do extraordinary things for His kingdom. To reach the lost, to help those who are in need all around us. We've been boring, ordinary, and status quo long enough as a church. It's time for us to push beyond ordinary into the extraordinary thing that God has in store as His Holy Spirit leads and directs us. As I said, there's nothing extraordinary about the grape juice and the crackers that you and I are about to partake as we have communion this morning. They're simply ordinary, everyday objects. But what's extraordinary is the covenant that we remember as we partake of these elements. His body that was broken. His blood that was shed for you and I. For a a covenant where we could come into relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. That's what's extraordinary about communion. Communion is a chance for us to be reminded of the opportunity we have to move from living an ordinary life to one that's extraordinary. It reminds us that we've not only been bought with a price, Jesus' life, but that we have been given new life through Jesus' death and resurrection. We have an opportunity to become heroes like we've always wanted to be since we were young children. Maybe not in the sense that everyone's going to see what we do, or maybe we won't be on the front page of the paper or on the news, but God will see what we are doing, what you are doing, and how you've given everything you have for the sake of His gospel. Of how as a church we've given everything we had to reach this community for Christ. That's what's exciting. The gospel. The ministry. And I hope that, that Chisholm Assembly of God is a church that you're excited to be a part of as we reach out to our community with the gospel.